We've been talking about return to faith. How many have returned? Amen. Amen. Yes. Amen. And of course, it involves uh, hearing what God has said, believing what God has said, choosing to believe, and then declaring or saying or speaking what God has said, coming into agreement with your mouth. And then, of course, doing. And we've learned that the first part of doing is doing the foundations or the plain teachings of Scripture. Uh, have you noticed there are a lot of people in the body of Christ in America who aren't doing the plain teachings of Scripture? Uh, look at somebody and tell them we're without excuse. It's in black and white. We either do or we don't do. And there's a second category of, of doing. If we're going to be faith people, we, we certainly should do the foundations, but then we also do the directives of the Spirit of God that come to us individually, the promptings and the urgings of the Holy Ghost. You know, we are led and directed day by day to say or not say, to do or not do. And, uh, you know, there's no John 3, 16 for us. Our, our names aren't in the book there, and it tells us exactly what we're supposed to do in any given day, uh, any given time. But we do have the Holy Ghost who directs our path, don't we, church? Yes, we the Bible tells us that those that are led of the Spirit are what? Those are the sons of God. Those are the heirs of God. So we have the plain teachings of the Scripture. We also have the directives of the Holy Spirit. And I encourage you, uh, few will be the number of people in any given town, any given moment, that is even available for the Holy Ghost to move through. So make sure you're one of those that's not just available to hear Him, but you actually do the things He tells you to do. The third category of someone who's actually walking by faith because they're a doer is in the area of conviction. It's in the area of when something is not right in your life, something needs to be changed, the Spirit of God talks to you directly. And we, we know uh, very, very, very clearly, of course, from Scripture, an example of Scripture, that He's always talking. He's always the teacher. He's always the comforter. Amen. He's a very present help in time of need. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, but the Holy Ghost is here for you. And for me, which means it's not a speaking problem or it's not a communication problem from God to us. It is a receiving issue, what God has to say to us. And um, what I've noticed, and I'm, I'm beginning to see more and more understanding in this area, you know, if you were to ask the average uh, Christian leader, spiritual leader, pastor, whatever, or just people who are serious about the things of God, you know, why is the American church in the shape that it's in? You could say generically things like prayer or whatever. But the reality is there's something very, very wrong in this particular area of walking by faith. People do not have a sensitive conscience like they used to do in the American church. It's just not there. In Scripture, we find out there are actually seven different types of, of conscience and Hopefully tonight, when you understand what they are, you'll shy away from those that are, that are depicted more in a, in a negative, less productive light, and you'll choose to, to develop a cultivated conscience that's actually working in your life. But I've been um, in this a long time. Um, I've been in the things of the Spirit, in the Word of God. I've seen a lot of things come and go, seen all kinds of fads in the body of Christ. And if we're going to be serious about being a powerful American church, we're going to have to see the individual conscience of the individual believer restored and healed. Uh, we believe God forgives. Say God forgives. God forgives. How many believe God heals the body? Yes. He does. Yes. But how many sermons have you heard on the need for someone to have their conscience healed? Is that important? 
Yes, if there's a, if there's some kind of a, you know, issue with that, it's not functioning right, it's one of the most important things you can have working in your life. You want your body to work. Say it with me. I want my body to work. We want to be healed in relationships and healed in financial matters, but you need to have a whole functioning, working conscience. And that is what the issue is in the American church. People today in the American church are allowing things, participating in things that years ago their own conscience would say to them, that was a no-no for you. And today, if you say anything about them, preach about those things, they call you judgmental, they call you hypocritical, they label you all kinds of ways. But the reality is, until we can get the conscious healed in the American Christian, the church is not going to have the power and the victory that it needs. There, there used to be a day that if, if you said something ugly about somebody, the pain of conviction would have come on you, and you would have gone immediately to repenting before God. Is that still the case? There was a day and age when somebody would not dare sit in the church living together without feeling the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? There was a day and age if somebody was involved in some kind of illicit behavior, activity, substances, they wouldn't say, well, that's just life. Everybody has a problem. The conviction would be, what I'm saying to you, it's, it's not what we say as preachers and members of a church. It's what the Holy Ghost is saying that people aren't picking up on. Every devastation, every failure in the body of Christ, every anemic time we're together, every time you see something that could be better in the American church, you're going to find out it's all going to boil down to the fact that we don't have the kind of conscience that we need to have. And there's some reasons for that. Think about it this way. If, if, and let me just back up and just remind you of this, that uh, the, the conscious is the focus of the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Say it with me. My conscience is the focus of the conviction of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that's one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to convict of sin. Um, that's the focus. And a, an essential spiritual indicator or spiritual health indicator in your life is how healthy that conscience is actually in your life, how, how much it's picking up on Things. I'm not talking about condemnation here. I'm going to explain that in a minute. We're talking about conviction, which is a very different thing. But if you and I have a, a working conscience, we're just not going to allow ourselves to do certain things, think certain things, act in certain ways uh, without feeling something from the Spirit of God as a point of correction. That's right. And when you can no longer do that, you've got something wrong with the conscience. That's the big problem. Are you here today? So let's just say that we have, you know, you know, 500 people in a service, 1,000 people in a service, and, and, and nobody in that service ever feels the conviction of the Spirit of God. It means, first of all, that everyone in that building is perfect now. What's the possibility of that being true? What's the possibility of our crowd tonight being perfect? What's the possibility of you going home just with your spouse and that being perfect? Not very likely, is it? Are you here tonight? I said, are you here tonight? Yes. So that can't be it. No. Say, we're not, perfect. we're not perfect. We haven't arrived. So that can't be the reason we don't have conviction. That's it. Can't be. How many raise your hand and say there's plenty of fodder here? <laughs> huh? Say it with me. I have not arrived. 
But just because you haven't arrived doesn't mean you're actually picking up day to day on the convictions of the Holy Spirit. Second possibility is this, is that uh, the Holy Spirit is retired now. He's done all he's going to do, said all he's going to say. He's tired of messing with us. So he's put in for early retirement. And no, we're not all perfect. He's just plain tired. So he's no longer talking to us like maybe he used to. Well, Pastor, if it's not that we're all perfect and it's not that the Holy Spirit's not retired, then what's the, what's the uh, obvious indicator here? And it is that the conscience is malfunctioning in the average Christian. Amen. Say with me, God, heal and keep healed my conscience in Jesus' name. We understand that's how this works. And, uh, you know, because there are varying degrees of, of, of health of the conscience, it could be one thing or the other. You could identify, you know, with one scripture or another. But the bottom line is we, we ought to desire the ability to hear the Holy Spirit uh, above all things. Amen. Um, we ought to be able to be challenged when we step across lines. We shouldn't be stepping across. Amen. Remember what uh, Smith Wigglesworth said when he was asked very, very pointedly, uh, what's the secret to the power of God consistently operating in your life? And he said, I'm always in the Word. He said, I'm always praying in tongues. And he said this, I live a holy life. Mm. Amen. Mm -hmm. There's a time in the Pentecostal church where people didn't snub their nose at the concept of holiness. That's true. That's very true. Laugh at it. Make jokes about it. When you understand it's not just uh, the way to please the Lord in terms of living a circumspect life, it's also the key to operate in maximum power and anointing in Mm -hmm. your life. Are you here? I was talking to, to Rita the other day, praying with her about something that she's helping with in ministry. Um, actually, I guess this is in Virginia, not uh, where they're at in Alabama, but some of my family in Virginia. And um, she was talking about, for example, the, the absolute you know, uh, invasion in the modern church with alcohol. And, uh, you know, this is not one of my top ten things to preach about. And it's probably not one of your top ten concerns either. You know, you, you either, either, you know, made excuses for it or it's something that you have a conviction about. And I just, you know, since the time I got born again Spearfield, I haven't touched it. And that's not about an AG thing or a Simmons of God thing or whatever. Just I, I can tell you that the last time it was in my hand, you know, right after I graduated from high school, I heard the Holy Ghost. Somebody say the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. Now, when the Holy Ghost talks to you and there's some conviction in your heart, whether it's a corrective or direct, whatever it is, he's telling you not to do something or to do something, you know, no one can convince you like the Holy Spirit. That's, right. That's why this, this topic is so important. Yes. If I forget the story, somebody just yell out alcohol. Will you do that for me? Mm-hmm. That's practice, right? One, two, three, alcohol. Oh. <laughs> oh. Um. I was raised Lutheran, and Lutherans as babies are sprinkled. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, 
And, you know, the, the belief is that that sacrament actually protects and covers that child and the grace on the church extends to, to the child. And, and I'm not here to mock that. I'm simply saying this is my experience. But when I got born again in spirit filled right before I graduated high school, I was born again, I was born again in spirit filled and had a prayer language, but for two years had not been water baptized. And for about, uh, you know, the majority of that time, I would say easily 22, 23 months of that period, it seemed like every time I turned around, the Holy Spirit said the Holy Spirit. I didn't say human being. Kept going, you need to submit to water baptism according to the Word of God. I'm saved already. You understand what I'm saying to you? I'm saved, I'm spirit-filled, have a prayer language, on fire for God, I love His Word, I'm following Him, I'm doing my best to serve Him, and the Spirit of God, say the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God. is saying, you need to submit to water baptism. It got so bad that on April 22nd, 1984, I told Mark Randall, I said, I just got to be baptized. So grab one of our friends. Let's go over here to the lake. And over here in the lake, in that cold water, I was baptized. But I want you to know that Mark never said a word, nor did my friend ever say a word. This was completely and totally a message from the Holy Spirit that lines up with the Word of God that I needed to do this. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Yes. And that's, that's where it's powerful. If, if people tried to talk to me into this, you know, I may have thrown up a doctrinal response or just some kind of resistance. But how many know there is no argument against the Holy Spirit? Because what he speaks lines up with the Word of God. Everybody say, thank God for the Holy Ghost. Uh, so, you know, if, if you've not been baptized in the water yourself, this isn't about telling you, now I've become your Holy Spirit, so listen to me as if I were the Holy Spirit. No, you have to have two things if there's going to be conviction in your church, conviction in your home, in your marriage, in your household, in your business. You're going to have to have the Holy Ghost, and you're going to have to have the Word of God. And the modern church has basically compromised the Word and kicked the Holy Ghost out. No wonder you don't have transformation in the house of God. It's become more important to have a count than a transformation. Are you here? Yeah. Say it with me. I want to be transformed. I want to be transformed. We all want to reach the masses, reach the untold, and, and get them saved. That's not, that's not an issue. But what good is it to have churches filled with people who are not transformed because the Holy Ghost is not welcome there? That's right. That's right. Say it with me. No Holy Ghost. No, Holy Ghost. no transformation. Um, I attended church 17 years, never transformed. Say, so why is that? Because the Spirit of God has got to be allowed to move in the hearts of God's people. Amen. Yes. By saying, thank God, thank God for the Holy Ghost. And so uh, if you think about your walk with God, everybody say, my walk with God. And you can remember a time where you, you were under great conviction about certain things. You were very sensitive to that. You say, well, that's just because I was a baby Christian. I'm telling you that you had something then you're missing now. You should have never lost the sensitivity to the Spirit of God, you know, dealing with your conscience. It's a dangerous, dangerous thing. Everybody say alcohol. And I would say the same thing today. Um, it's rejecting Jesus that will send somebody to hell. Yeah. Not whether they drink or not, yeah. or smoke or not. Mm -hmm. Their perfection is not getting them in the heaven. Right. Jesus is getting them in the heaven. Right. Say so it will be Jesus, Jesus. is how, how? we're saved. saved. That's how we get to heaven. 
That said, the Holy Spirit is going to deal with you and speak to you in such a way uh, that reflects His will and His purpose and His design for your life. And so I'm sitting there at a, at a high school graduation party and I'm watching for the first time. My, my eyes are open because I had just gotten baptized in the Holy Ghost and I'm seeing things that I've never seen before in my life spiritually. Everybody say open eyes. The Holy Ghost will open up your eyes, give you a hunger for the Word of God, give you a thirst to spend time with Him, to spend time in His Word. That's what happens when you get baptized in the Holy Ghost. And my eyes were wide open and just as clear as a bell, I hear the Holy Spirit saying to my heart about that issue. Everybody say alcohol. Alcohol. He said, you can, you can drink that. He said these words. This is, the, this is the kind of thing He'll do when your conscience is working. Say with my conscience is working. It's not about legalism and right and wrong from man's perspective. It's about getting to the place where you're doing the right and wrong based on what the Holy Spirit is telling you on top of His Word. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? The specifics about your life. And these words still resonate today. And maybe they'll resonate with you. He said, you can do that, but you'll never be anointed. Amen. Jesse DePlanis went on Australian TV with a, kind of a praise the Lord kind of a setting. And it's very common in Australian churches uh, to, to imbibe. Everybody say imbibe. <laughs> um, and they made the mistake of asking him what his opinion was on alcohol. And you can probably imagine he doesn't pull any punches. And he, he said these words. He said, I'm not looking for an opportunity to empower my flesh. I'm looking for an opportunity to crucify it. That's the first thing he said. And he said, well, Brother Jesse, we, we just drink. We just just drink. We don't, we don't get drunk. And he goes, how do you know you're, you're drunk too much until you're drunk? How do you know? And so the Lord gave him this illustration. He said, y'all are handsome men and, and on the ball. Your wives are beautiful. And he's looking at the moderator and says, you know, your wife's a beautiful woman. She says, thank you. And um, <laughs> he said, well, what if she and I went behind the curtain there during break time and we just began to make out, but we didn't go all the way? And Jesse said, uh, she didn't look like she minded what he was saying. <laughs> but the reality is, they got the point real quick. All three of those bit men said the same thing. We're not touching it anymore. Now, was that just because of what Jesse said? No, the Spirit of God will begin to move and talk to you about things that matter. Um, did I matter? Did, did I mind, you know, losing the anointing to have a sip of something? Yes, because my value for the anointing was greater than the thing the Spirit of God was telling me to move away from. And when you love God more, and you love His anointing more, and you love His purpose and plan for your life more, then you don't mind when the Holy Spirit says, knock this off, you do it in Jesus' name. Turn to somebody and tell them, listen to them. Say it again, say, listen to, that. listen to the Holy Ghost. So we're not perfect, and the Spirit of God is not retired. So the issue is the health of what? The health of the conscious. Here's some indicators of a broken conscience before we get into a little bit more of this today. We need healing of the conscience in the American church. When I was in Springfield in seminary, I had a, a job at the hospital of medical records and basically they allowed me to come in whenever I needed to based on my schedule. And uh, the main director was not there. The assistant director was this fellow that had been there for years. And uh, 
I don't know what he said one night. I was working. I worked from like 3 to 11 o'clock. I don't know what, what he said, what it was all about, but he said something just went all over me, and I reacted inappropriately. I basically jabbed back verbally, and I sat down. You know, I could not return to that computer and do my job until I got up and went over to his office and apologized for my response. Yeah. Everybody say the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. Conscious. Yeah. But how many times do you and I now go through things like that and it doesn't even bother us anymore? Is it, that the, is it that we're perfect? No. Is it the Holy Ghost is not speaking anymore? No. Is it there's something wrong with the functioning of our conscience? Amen. Everybody I say, God heal my conscience in Jesus' name. Don't confuse condemnation and conviction. Condemnation comes from the evil one, the accuser of the brethren. And it's directed at your mind. Say, my mind. And it always pushes you away from God. That's what condemnation will do for you. So if you ever wonder who's talking to you and who's trying to say something to you, you know it by its, by its end product, by the fruit it's producing. But conviction, on the other hand, is wrought by the Holy Spirit. Say, the Holy Spirit. And the target is not your mind, it's your conscience. And when you respond appropriately, it always causes you to get closer to Him, not further away. Say, when we draw near to God, He'll draw near to you. You draw near to Him, and when He talks, you respond to Him. What happens is you get even closer to Him. So say with me, condemnation is not of God. It's of the devil. It always pushes you away from God. Say, conviction is from the Holy Spirit. The target is the conscience, and it always draws you closer to Him. You believe that today? Amen. Some indicators of a broken conscience. One, they cannot receive conviction. There's no pangs of conscience anymore. They're doing things, looking at things, participating in things, involved in things, saying things, and there is no pang of conscience over those issues. That does not mean the Holy Spirit is now approving of what you're doing. Put it this way. If he ever convicted you in your life before, he didn't change his position. That's right. That's right. He's not suddenly going to come to me and say, you know what, you've been a good boy. Now you can have a six-pack every night if you want. Ain't going to happen. You understand what I'm saying to you? Because he will not contradict himself. This is, this is critical in the body of Christ, and we see this in all kinds of areas from personal morality and integrity to, to matters of walking in love to matters of offense-taking to matters of bitterness and unforgiveness that, that someone, you, you cannot get into unforgiveness without completely causing your conscience to go numb. A bitter Christian is a Christian with a numb conscience and a very dangerous place to be. Number two, the, uh, they play the, the blame game and they're quick to blame others for their own shortcomings in, in life in general. So I'm, 
not only am I not receiving conviction, I got to find a reason for why everything is not working in my life and kind of blame that person or that institution or whatever it is. It's, it's very common in churches like ours is someone doesn't receive from God when they think they should or how they think they should. They begin to have a problem with the message and they always not only have a problem with the message, they'll begin to throw the messenger under the bus as well. All I can tell you, if you'll just continue to believe God and stand, having done all to stand, you will see the hand of God move in your life. His words are true. His promises are yes, and they're amen. But when you have a conscience issue, you want to find somebody else to blame for the way things are in your life. And it never works. Number three, they exhibit general spiritual lifelessness. You and I know when we're filled with life in God. And you know, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to discern when somebody's not walking in life. They're physically there. Look at somebody and tell them, the light's on. But nobody's home. Come on, say it again. The light's on. But nobody's home. There's no life there. What do you mean by life? There should be love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Amen. There should be, you know, energy and, and victory and zeal and joy and effervescence because God lives on the inside of you. When you look at them as just like death, it's like they're not even born again. You know, something's wrong with the conscience. Amen. Number four, they believe God is distant from them. And somehow he has withdrawn from them. Um, God's not withdrawing from you. If you feel a distance between you and the Lord, he's not the one that moved. That's right. And a, a whole conscious, a, you know, healthy conscious would keep you in a place where you're drawing nigh to him. Number five, they have a little hunger and thirst for the things of God like prayer, Bible reading for themselves, searching the scriptures themselves, church attendance and service. Um, we don't really talk like this and analyze it this way, but when somebody stops seeking God, they, they no longer pray or, or seek the Lord. The reason they're doing that is the conscience is not working anymore. Every Christian that I've ever known that was born again, spirit-filled, at some point in time has a, a report, something like this, they've, They've been sleeping soundly and they literally heard the voice of God telling them to rise and get up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What was that? It was fear. Now, when that never happens anymore, when there's no hunger and desire to meet with him anymore, there's no desire to open up the book. And I'm not talking about watching somebody else. I'm talking about you putting the time in. You having your mind renewed spending time in the word of God. So it's just you and the Holy Spirit talking to you as you search the scriptures. When there's no desire to be in the house of God, when there's no desire to serve, those are really conscious issues. And we call them everything under the sun. Amen. Uh, you know, somebody who has lost their connection to the local church because of COVID, that's not a, I'm, I'm just protecting myself mode. That is a conscious issue because the Spirit of God isn't changing from what he said thousands of years ago. By the Spirit of God, he said, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. So if I do that and my conscience is working, what's going to happen? He's going to tell me, get back, get back, get back, get back, go back, go back, go back to church. Yes. Thank you for your enthusiasm over this revelation. Right. You see what's going on in America is not a COVID problem, it's a conscious problem. It's as easy to blame it on that than it is to say, you know what? 
My conscience is not as sensitive as it used to be. That's a good place to start if that's the truth and being honest before God because he already knows the answer. Amen. There's no desire to, to serve and you just, you'll rebuff God's invitation and the church's invitation to have you involved in whatever is needed at the time, whether it's involved with children or youth or outreaches, whatever it is, and you don't do it. If you have a right conscience, the Spirit of God is going to deal with your conscience consistent with the Word of God and tell you you should be doing what? Serving. Serving. Amen. Same thing with the area of, of giving. Why? Is it biblical to give? Yes. yes. What's the Spirit of God think about it? The same thing the Word of God says about it. So if I stop doing it out of fear or just out of some new habit that I've developed or whatever the case may be, what's the Spirit going to say to someone who has a conscience that's functioning? You mean to tell me, you're telling me that people don't give that are Christians because of a conscious problem? That's exactly what I'm telling you. Say it would be, it's a conscious issue. Because guess what? The Holy Spirit is the same. We haven't arrived. The Word doesn't change. So if it's not getting through, it's a function of the health of our conscience. Amen. Number six, they're quick to take offense, to get into unforgiveness and bitterness and very slow to walk in love. Don't care how long it, uh, you're a Christian, God is never going to sanction you slandering somebody else. He is never going to okay you gossiping about another believer. No. Never. It's never okay for you to destroy somebody's reputation or attack them privately or on a public forum Ever And the fact that people do this with impunity, whether it's somebody that's alive or dead, currently in the ministry, used to be in the ministry, was a deacon, is no longer a deacon, used to be somebody in the house of God that God used mildly, or they're gone, long gone, to death or whatever. Case. It is never correct. And the fact that we don't have a conscience that has a pang when we do that tells us we have a conscious problem. That's right. That's right. That is right. Amen. You know... Um, I don't mind telling you this, this is a perfect example. And Bill Burnett's back there. He can, he can attest to everything I'm saying to you. That, uh, some of the students that came through Chi Alpha had some horrible things to say about the man of God. But guess what? They didn't say him when he was here. Not only did the Holy Ghost not lead them to do that, the Holy Spirit would have convicted them the first time they did it if the conscience was right. And a man's poor conscience can't be blamed on a pastor or a preacher or a teacher or a deacon. If your conscience is not healthy, it's not God's fault and it's not the man of God's fault. Amen. That's right. But now the church just accepts this stuff. Amen. Church is harsh or it's, it's too heavy or it has too many expectations or, or they're controlling or whatever the case may be. I think about the Apostle Paul who said to the Corinthians, shall I come with a whip? <laughs> think about the American church today. If Pastor Rowder on Sunday said, expel this person, kick him out right now. What would somebody call Paul? Abusive? Controlling? Or just doing what he's called to do? I'm sure... He was impressed to do what God told him to do. But I'm just telling you, 
that if you can run your mouth, you don't have a problem with the person you're running your mouth against. You have a conscious problem. Because the Spirit of God is not leading you to do that. Not today, not tomorrow, not ever. And this is really getting quiet in this Presbyterian church tonight. No, because I know deep in the heart of the people of this church, you want a consciousness functioning. You long to be able to commune with him and hear when he talks to you. Where there's way to go, encourage you, love on you, support you, comfort you, or even correct you. It's all good. Amen. Amen. I'm telling you that any message from the Holy Ghost is for our benefit. Any message is for our benefit. And it'll keep us out of a lot of problems in these last days. I don't know how God's going to do it, but I am telling you that the Holy Ghost in this third great awakening is going to grab the American Christian's conscience by the throat. And conviction is going to be restored. And repentance and holiness. And you're going to see a move of God like you've never seen before. But right now, it's not your mind. It's not your emotions. It's not your body. It's not your pocketbook. It's not your marriage. It's not your relationships that need to be healed. You need to have your conscience healed. So you no longer put up with things that even years ago you wouldn't put up with. Amen. Say with me, God give me a healthy conscience. James said, be what? Slow to speak. Slow to become angry and quick to what? Quick to hear. That's somebody with a healthy conscience. Amen. But when we're what? Quick to speak. And slow to hear. And quick to become angry. God help us to have that pain like we used to have in our spirit. This isn't right. This is out of bounds for you. Everybody say, thank God. Thank God. For the Holy Ghost. I'm just telling you that uh, if, you know, you're doing, involved in, saying, you know, behaviors, compromise, things the Spirit of God previously told you were out of bounds for you, or the Word explicitly forbids, the Spirit's not going to change His mind. And if you don't have any kind of pain associated with that, your, your job right now, the next several months, is to really pray that God would make your, your heart, your, your, your conscience more sensitive than it's ever been before. They didn't pray this prayer, Lord Jesus, I need healing. So I, I need healing in the conscience. Number seven, they break from or withdraw from spiritual influences that God has put in their lives, including spiritual mentors, fathers, and mothers. When you read the scripture, you'll find out what the prophet said, that he was going to turn the hearts of what? Fathers to the children. The fathers to the children and the children? To the fathers. To the fathers. So when you still have the turning away instead of the uniting people coming together, and I'll tell you what, the devil loves to separate families and cause them to go to war with each other. Let there be bad blood there and unforgiveness and bitterness, all kinds of stuff. But the same thing is true spiritually. That it is, it is a conscious issue when you can have someone pour into your life and you can just turn from them on a dime. That is completely opposite to what God revealed through the prophet. That ministry of John, that spirit that came upon, that anointing that was very similar, of course, to what the, the, the prophet Elijah had. Amen? Um, that's what you see today. There is nothing wrong, you know, with, with the body of Christ other than this one principle. If we could just get the conscious healthy again, everything else will fall in line. Say it. Yeah. 
It'll fall in line. We'll pray like we're supposed to, see God like we're supposed to, reach out like we're supposed to, attend like we're supposed to, love like we're supposed to, forgive because we have an active engagement with the Spirit of God any moment in time. He can come in and say to us, do this or don't do this, say this or don't say this. Right. Amen. But if you're allowing the enemy to come in and, and the conscience isn't working, nothing's going to happen. You're not going to pick up on anything, so you're not going to respond to anything. You're not going to sense that God's trying to get a hold of you. What a horrible thing for any of us to be in a hole spiritually and we can't even respond to the truth that's being told us. Amen. What number is this? Okay. <laughs> Are you sure you're ready for eight? <laughs> no, they feel like number eight, they feel like they cannot hear from God at this point in their lives. And uh, they can, and yet because of the conscious, the condition of the conscious makes it very, very difficult for them to hear God. But God wants to talk to every person in his, in his family. Yes, he does. He wants to minister to you. He wants to share truth with you. And, uh, but... You're asking for him to talk to you without first dealing with the conscience. Let's get your conscience healed first and your hearing will clear up with it. True. Come on, say, heal my conscience. And then my hearing will work with it. Glory to God. Are you still here? So let me just uh, start with a couple of these today. Say this out loud. Faith people, faith people. Hear, hear, believe, believe say, say, and do. And do. Say, it. faith people, faith do, the do the word. They do the foundations. They do the, they do the directives. They do the and they do the convictions. They do the convictions. Okay? So uh, you, you heard what the word said, and so you're living best you can, consistent with the word of God. And when he's talking to you, you want to live up to his dictates and go out and do whatever he says to do, big or small. Everybody say it, big or small. But here's the kicker today. If you're not receiving and acting on the convictions because your conscience is not healthy, you're not a faith person. If your conscience is not working, you are not a faith person because you cannot carry out the dictates of the Spirit of God in that condition. And a lot of folks... Uh, you know, they, they name it, claim it, blab it, grab it. They like all the teachings in terms of the principles. But if you ask them, um, when it comes maybe to your personal love walk, are you upset and bitter with somebody? Have you released them? Have you forgiven them? They act like it's some kind of right to hold a grudge against somebody. And they wonder why they're not getting any kind of results. They don't get any results stepping out of love. No. Say it with me, no results. Stepping out of love. And, you know, and if we were smart, we'll say, okay, I keep doing this. I keep holding on to this grudge and nothing good's happened in my life. Maybe that's the problem. Yeah. And somewhere behind you, the Spirit of God is telling you that is the problem. Repent. Forgive them. Let them go. Say, well, Pastor, I got a lot of people that have to forgive. Well, that's life. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. You know, new day, new person to forgive. Seven types of conscience in Scripture. Most of you in this room tonight, particularly on a Wednesday night, would have moved past this first one. It's what we call the weak conscience. 
This conscience is easily manipulated or influenced. It's susceptible to condemnation because of a lack of knowledge or understanding. This is the way many of the young Corinthians were. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7 and 12, Thus sinning against your brothers and wounding their conscience when it's weak, you sin against Christ. This means that their conscience is not cultivated or, or developed in the revelation of the Word of God or the things of the Spirit. And the issue they had to deal with was they were partaking of meat sacrificed to idols. And so the younglings with a weak conscience would see this and would it help them spiritually or hurt them? It would hurt them. Now, to the learned, they know that somebody may have, you know, cooked this meat in honor of some God, but there's only what? There's only one God, so they really didn't offer it up to a God. They offered it up to a non-God. So for the believer in right standing with God, eating the meat's not the issue. But protecting that weak conscience of the person watching you eat that meat is a big deal. It's also a function of walking in love in the church. So here's the bottom line. In your liberty, are you causing somebody with a weak conscience to be destroyed or affected by what you allow? Amen. I mean, Tommy Barnett used to say this. He said, you know what? If you don't have a bunch of cigarette butts outside your door, you don't have much of a church. But he also said eventually those butts shouldn't be there. Yeah. Are you here today? You have to understand that the principle here is that, that you do something. It's not just about you. It's about how it affects other people. I mean, what if we all just went to a restaurant after church and everybody ordered drinks and everybody knew we were a church? How would that affect some of the people? Let me put it this way. A person with a healthy conscience is just not concerned about themselves. They care about how your behavior and attitude and actions and words are affecting other people. And the conscience is going to be bothered when you do things that affect other people adversely. The wickedness is not the bottle of alcohol. The wickedness is the power to destroy somebody's life. Do you see the difference? With what somebody actually allowed. Well, that's their problem. No. It's not their problem. According to what Paul said, that you and I actually cause them to sin by what we allow. And is the meat offered to an idol worth it? Is it? Is the, is the vape worth it? Is the joint worth it? Is the cigarette worth it? Is the beer can worth it? No. God help us that the moment we just begin to slightly step out of his path, boom, here comes the powerful spirit of God. To convict us. Where? In the conscience. And I promise you this, you will never regret having him talk to you and then listening quickly to respond and get back on the right path. Whatever it is. Everybody say weak conscience. As long as you're a church that's doing anything to reach people that are at a lower level than you are spiritually, I don't mean inferior, I just mean in their development. Everybody say babies. You're always going to have this issue. At any moment in time, one of those babies with a weak conscience can come by us 
and their whole faith be bankrupted because of what we allow. Amen. Glory to God. And, you know, it's, it's Halloween season. And Pastor, are you really going to go over there? Yes. Probably. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, any, any Christian born again, spirit filled, listen to me carefully, entertaining the worship of the demonic and joining the celebration of the demonic on holy days for the enemy, like October 31st and November 2nd, both of those days. You can almost feel the darkness as you're walking around. There's something wrong with the conscience. Did I say they're going to hell? I didn't say they're going to hell. I said there's something wrong with the conscience because the Holy Spirit is not going to lead you and allow you to fellowship with darkness as a child of God. Your spirit should be alarmed by being around that stuff. Yes. And I know believers, they confess Christ and they deck their house out and they all kinds. Of, and I'm not talking about using it as leverage for witnessing. I understand that and agree with that totally. I'm talking about people who actually celebrate it in the body of Christ like it's no big deal. And why isn't it a big deal to them? Because the conscience is not functioning the way it should. Amen. We don't need more demon activity in our houses. We need less demon activity, yes. and it's up to you and for me to drive it out That's in right. Jesus' name. That's right. And so, uh, you know, when when the uh, kids at Southwest Elementary were having a party, uh, we just told the, the principal we're just taking our our kid out and he'd hang out with me and have a have a good old time. We we're going to be a part of celebrating, amen, a celebration of death and demonic. Well, Pastor R, it's just trick-or-treating, it's just costumes. To you, it's just trick-or-treating and costumes. Now, you'd be amazed how many people would hear me say that and then say, well, I want to find me a pro-trick-or-treating church because that's the depth of your spirituality. That's more important to you than listening to what I'm telling you about your conscience. I'm telling you that a born-again, spirit-filled Christian should have a conscience with all kinds of alarm bells going off. Amen, yes. All kinds of yes. bells going off. It's that same, you know, hardness there that is responsible for someone who can just attend a church year after year after year, living in sin and not feel convicted. It's all connected. Amen. And let me just say, I'm sensing all the love coming this way. Just No, I know I'm in a group of people that want to have a healthy conscience before God. You're not looking to play around on the fringes like this and say, you're not looking for a way to give liberty to your flesh. You're looking for a way to crucify it. Amen. Amen. Say it, a weak conscience. Number two is a guilty conscience. Guilty means evil, wicked thoughts, words, or deeds. It means you cross the line of what the Word of God says or the Spirit of God has been telling you, and there's guilt there. Your conscience is guilty. Is there a remedy for a guilty conscience? Yeah. Yes. Listen to what the word says in Hebrews 10, 22. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full of the assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed 
with pure water. The Christian who does something wrong, I don't feel guilty. Yes. And yet you have churches all over America saying, no, 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 no. We don't do that guilt stuff. Stop trying to put people under guilt. There's no way for me to put you under guilt. Listen to me. People aren't even listening to the Holy Ghost. How do they listen to the pastor? He goes straight in. I'm limited to the external here. Trying to put people under guilt. If you feel guilty, then you need to find out why you feel guilty. Not condemned, but you did something wrong. You said something wrong. That's not a bad thing. But you don't stay there. You do what the Bible says. You confess your sin. He's faithful and just to forgive us and what? Cleanse us of all unrighteousness. But a guilty conscience is one conscience described in Scripture, and you see a lot of people, even in the body of Christ, they don't feel guilty about doing even the worst things. What does that tell you? It's dangerous. Amen. You know, imagine if we just took a half a step in the wrong direction and the guilt came. How protected we would be. We see this stuff as, you know, negative, and it's not negative. It's good for us, isn't it? Yes, it is. Amen? Say to me, when you blow it, you ought to feel guilt. And if you don't, there's something wrong with your conscience. Amen? Wicked thoughts, words, deeds, twisted things. Yeah. Uh, amen. And number three is a defiled conscience. This is a conscience that ordinarily would be functioning, but it's been sullied, spoiled, or corrupted. It's been deadened by compromise. A defiled conscience is not capable of being convicted, and therefore it supports and defends impure behavior. Listen to what I said. It supports and defends impure behavior. Listen to the scripture in Titus 1.5. To the pure, all things are pure, but to the defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure, but both their minds and their consciences are what? Defiled. So a defiled conscience is one that now is actually not uh, on the side of the Holy Ghost. They're actually in support of the thing that has defiled them and others. I uh, I don't understand somebody uh, in ministry praying to dedicate an abortion mill. No, I mean, no, I don't. No, no. You say, well, pastor, what is that? That is a matter of conscience. Yeah. You hear what I'm saying to you? Uh, something's wrong there. Yes. That doesn't mean you have to go out and break laws because you have a passion for the unborn. That's no better than somebody who's actually praying to dedicate a facility you know, to, uh, to actually murder the unborn. But I don't, I don't get it. I mean, I, I, I'm sorry, but I don't get in, in Georgia how they elected somebody that we spent 60 years fighting against communism. They elected one and sent him to Washington. And that's not the worst part. He occupies the pulpit of Martin Luther King, who was very pro-life. And this man is very much pro-death. I don't understand that. The only way to understand something's going on in the realm of, of the clergy, in the realm of the church, is the conscious is just not working. And if I'm a Georgian, I'm not voting to send that back. I'd rather have that knuckle-headed football player up there representing me. At least he's on the right side of the issues. Amen. 
My wife's dad served five tours in Vietnam fighting against communism that the Georgians just sent that man to Washington to represent. You think about that. That's how far down our nation has come just in 50 years. Amen. 50,000 casualties, something like that. Fought the same thing in Korea. Fought the same thing in Central America to only turn around and elect one to the U.S. Senate. And it's okay because he's a preacher. No, it's not okay. Amen. And don't believe me, you can just listen to a couple of MLK's children and you'll find out what he thought about abortion, which was created to sanitize the earth from the black race. Amen. He saw it clearly for what it was, wicked and evil. Amen. So my conscience won't let me vote for somebody who's for the killing of the unborn. And you may think, well, there are more important issues. No, life is the most important issue yes, of all. They're made in God's image and they should be protected. They should that's be preserved. Right. So that's, that's how I rule. Amen. Are you still here today? Yes. Number four, insensitive conscience. Insensitive. Diminished sensitivity and feeling. Paul said this, so... I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality as to indulge in every kind of impurity. They are full of greed. What happens is if you're not careful by allowing things in your life, you become more dull, more insensitive. And the thing to do is when you find yourself becoming insensitive in your conscience is to get with God and repent quickly. Look at somebody and say, not a day, not a single day with an insensitive conscience. Say again, not a single day. But what will happen, you can see that this is progressive. Your, the condition of your conscience will not stay the same next year. It'll either be more sensitive or it will get harder and harder. Anybody here ever try to drill through the wood with somebody who's involved in something in life and you can't seem to talk to them about it? They're not hard-headed, they're hard-conscienced. It's far worse than a hard head. Number five, a seared conscience, 1 Timothy 4. Say a seared conscience. This is where they willfully shut down and completely deaden any voice of the Spirit of God in their conscience. Now the Spirit expressly says in later times, some shall depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. Why would they depart from the faith? Because of the teachings of what? Of demons and seducing spirits. They're not departing because God's leading them that way. They're departing because they're giving their ears to the wrong voice instead of the Spirit of God to their conscience through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are what? Are seared. 2,000 years ago, he told us this is exactly what was going to happen. And, um, you know, if you've ever, um, you know, picked up an iron before mm -hmm. and uh, actually hit your skin with it, Ouch. Uh -huh. uh, do you get the idea? 
the idea is with like a hot branding iron, you actually did it. In other words, it took intentionality. You had to decide. It's not just insensitive. I'm going to sear my conscience from any kind of communication from the one that I've been listening to in the past. I don't want to hear it. Don't want to know about it. Don't want any part of it. And that's when you get into dangerous territory in terms of blasphemy of God, but also potential blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Can God heal somebody with a seared conscience? Yes. Provided they haven't blasphemed the Holy Ghost along the way. And so how does this work? First, it's by behavior and choices. But eventually, somebody just makes a conscious decision. I'm not listening to that anymore. And they'll divorce themselves from every voice of truth so they can live in that vacuum where God is not able to talk to them anymore. And they don't listen to him. Say it with me. A seared conscience. Number six is the clear conscience. Say, yay. Yes, thank you, Lord. Turn to somebody and tell them, that's what I'm shooting for. A clear conscience is without condemnation or reason to feel guilty. Isn't it wonderful just to put your head down at night knowing there's nothing to feel guilty about? If there was something, you already repented of it. If there's not, you know, Jesus has cleansed you and washed you. You go to sleep in peace with God and peace with man. What a wonderful thing that is. Well, God doesn't move in my life. I saw these things, other, you know, other people are doing what they're receiving. If you could go to bed tonight with a clear conscience, you have been given a wonderful gift. Because 99.99% of that world does not go to bed with a clear conscience. But you can. Not because you're perfect or imperfect, because he is perfect. And because he cleanses us. Paul said this, so I always take pains to have a clear conscience toward both God and man. What he's saying here in Acts 24, 16 is it takes your participation and your effort. Be of clear conscience before God and before man, and you'll operate at a level of sensitivity that most people never have. He said this, I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience, the way my forefathers did, as I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day. And then 2 Timothy 1.3, and in 1 Timothy 3.9, they must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. It speaks of integrity, and it speaks of having a proper witness, having a clear conscience. Say it with me, that is a blessing. Come on, say, that's a blessing. Say it, I have a clear conscience in Jesus' name. That doesn't mean you can't hear anymore. It means when you do hear from him, you act on it. There's nothing lingering there. Well, I'll deal with it in a week or two or a month. No, don't deal with it in a month or two. Do with it, deal with it when? Now. If he's talking to you now, he wants you to act on it. Now. Yes, amen. amen. And the seventh is called a good conscience. Come on, say, I have one of them. Not just a clear conscience, but a, a good conscience. It means healthy and functioning. It means if something's wrong, guess what? You hear about it. If you step across the line, what happens? You hear about it because you have a good conscience. You want to make that thing right. And sometimes that means stopping what you're doing. It means making a course correction, doing something else. Sometimes it means shutting up. Sometimes it means apologizing. That's right. Say it with me. My tongue will not snap off and fall to the ground. If I apologize. That's right. Somebody with a good conscience who doesn't have to act like they're always right all the time. When somebody does that, they got a conscience problem. The goal of this command, Paul said to Timothy, is love, 
Say love. love. Which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Now watch this. Everybody say this with me. The goal, the goal. is love. love. Say it again. The goal, the goal. Is, love. is love. That comes from what? Pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. So, I have to have a pure heart, and I have to have an active operation of faith in my life, but I also have to have a good conscience if I'm going to what? Keep the command of love. It's very simple. Why will that Christian stay in unforgiveness? Why will they stay in bitterness? Why won't they forgive? Why won't they walk in love? It's very simple. They have a conscience problem. But it's possible to have a good conscience. Yes. Amen. Say it with me. I have one. I have By faith, I have one. Every day of my life, a good conscience. He said this, holding faith and a good conscience by rejoicing, some have made shipwreck of their, by rejecting this, some have made shipwreck of their faith. How'd they get to a shipwreck faith? From a non-healthy, non-functioning, not having a good conscience. That's how you shipwreck your faith. Listen to me carefully. The conscience shipwrecked long before your faith did. The conscience stopped working correctly long before the bad decisions were made. Amen. I'm going to go over here and say that again. You know. Say it with me. The conscience precedes the shipwreck. Can I, can I tell you something? We don't have time for you to shipwreck. The body of Christ needs you. Amen. Up and floating and sailing. Do what you're called to do. But the, the problem with the conscience is going to come long before the shipwreck. Guess what? Keep a good conscience and you won't shipwreck. Not my words. That's the word of God. Come on, shout it out. Keep a good conscience and I won't shipwreck. Not today, not tomorrow. Having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. 1 Peter 3, 16. We can't walk in love without a pure heart, sincere faith, and a working conscience. Say it, a working conscience. This is why some people never feel bad about the crackpot things they say. Listen to me carefully. A good conscience is a working conscience. Say it with me. A good conscience is a working conscience. The reason some people can slander, can gossip, can innuendo, can say whatever they want, and never feel bad about it, it's because they don't have a working conscience. The way some people refuse to forgive and never walk in love, it's a conscience issue. You want to say, listen to me, you want to say it's because of what they did to me or what they didn't do. It's on them what they did or said. And the gospel teaches, the word teaches, it's not what they did. It's your non-working conscience that's the issue. We cannot say I'm not walking in love because of what they did. As long as you're on this planet, somebody's going to rub you the wrong way. And probably every service. It's not what they did. People are going to do. Come on, say it with me. People are going to do what they're going to do. Say it again. People are going to do what they're going to do. One more time, shout it out. People are going to do 
what they're going to do. Or my sister says, God is good and people are crazy. That's a given. But if you are, you are saying things like in your heart, I'm acting this way because of what they did or said to me, how they hurt me, that's why I'm not forgiving, you missed the whole point. If your conscience were working, listen, you couldn't help but forgive them. You couldn't help but release and turn that over to God. Yes. Amen. Yes. It's not just Paul staying away from a bunch of sins so he has a good conscience. He's staying in love because he found out how hard it was to be on the receiving end of the persecution that he doled out at one time. Amen. Say it, I have a clear conscience. I have a good conscience. I'm listening to whatever he is saying. How many of you want to just be able to respond quickly if you just get out of the lines just a little bit? Amen. Coloring outside the lines is fine when you're two. Come on, say it. I'm not two anymore. <laughs> I need to get with the program. Amen. There's so much that can be solved in your life with a healthy, good, clear, functioning, working conscience. Amen. How do you like him to make you even more sensitive? Yes. Not condemned. Yes. Sensitive. The scripture says you'll hear a voice behind you saying, and you know what? 99% of the time you and I jump to the conclusion that's talking about direction. Not always. How about if we hear a voice behind us saying, this is the way walk you in or this is not the way. Bitterness is not the way. Hatred is not the way. The love of God is the way. Put your by heads for just a moment. Let's just agree on this tonight.